Section 18 of the Algonquin Legends of New England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Mattingly. The Algonquin Legends of New England or Myths and Folklore of the Micmac, Passamaquoddy and Penobscot Tribes by Charles Godfrey Leland. Section 18. The Merry Tales of Lox, the Mischief-Maker, commonly known as the Indian Devil. Of the surprising and singular adventures of two water fairies, who were also weasels, and how they each became the bride of a star, including the mysterious and wonderful works of Lox, the great Indian Devil, who rose from the dead. Micmac and Passamaquoddy. Wizigyik Kesuyuk of old times. Far back in the forest, by a brook, dwelt two young men, Abistanuch, the Marten, and Team, the Moose. Of these, each had a wigwam, and therewith a grandmother who kept house, and Team hunted and worked industriously, but Master Marten was greatly moelet, which signifies one who liveth upon his neighbours, depending on their good nature, even as he that planteth corn and beans depends upon the pleasant smiles of the sun. Whence it came to pass, that wherever victuals were in store, there too his presence did greatly abound. Now it happened that one day Team the Moose had killed a bear, and brought home a single load of the meat, leaving the rest to be looked after anon. And being thrifty, and not caring to feed those who fed him not, neither did they thank, he said unto himself, and also to his grandmother, Truly, the eyes of Martin shall not see this thing, his nose shall not smell thereof, neither shall his tongue taste it. So let not the tidings of our good luck go forth from the wigwam. Yes, replied the old woman, and well and wisely then speakest, my son. But we have this day broken our kettle, while Martin has brought in a new one. Behold, I will go and borrow it, and having cooked in it, I will wash and wipe it, so that there should be no sign of what we did therewith, and so return it. Now this was done, but he who is Moelet and a haunter of feasts is like a hunter of beasts. He knows well from a small sign where there is a large load, and the borrowing of kettles means the boiling of victuals therein. So having in him somewhat of sorcery, he did but step to his friend's wigwam, and peeping through a crevice, saw a great store of bear's meat. And when the grandmother of Moose came unto him to return the kettle, just as she entered the lodge, there arose from it a savoury steam, and looking in it was full of well-cooked food, and Martin thanked her greatly. Yet she, being put to shame, fled to her own home. But Moose said it was no matter, so the next day they went to the woods together, and all was well. Now it befell Martin, as it might have befallen any other man, that one day he came to a distant and lonely lake in the mountains. Yet there, stepping softly as a cat behind the rocks hung with grapevines, he heard laughing and splashing, and a pleasant sound as of girls' voices. So, peeping carefully, he saw many maids merrily bathing in the lake, and these were of the fairy race, who dwell in deep waters and dark caves, and keep away from mankind. And seeing their garments lying on the shore, and beholding among the damsels one whom he desired to obtain, Martin quietly slipped along unseen, as all of his species can do, till he had the clothes in his hands. For being tinctured with magic, and learned in the lore of all kinds of goblins, elves, and witches, 
Master Martin knew that when naiads are naked and a man has their garments, he holds them at his mercy. For in the apparel lies their fairy power, and if you doubt it, do but give it a trial and see for yourself. And having done this, the merry fellow ran inland with a brave whoop, which the fairies hearing, they in a great rage ran after the ravisher of their robes. But she whom he desired outstripped the rest, and when she approached him, he did but tap her lightly on the head with a small stick, according to a certain ancient prescription followed in fairyland, which makes of a woman a wife. Whereupon she, according to the antique rite, being astonished to find herself so suddenly married, fainted dead away, and was carried off in peace. And as for the clothes of the others, the Martin gave them back without taking fee or rewards. Then Team the moose, who was a good soul, but not wise above all the world, coming home and finding Martin married, wished also for a wife, and having heard all the tale, he said, Well, if it is no harder than that, tis as easy as sucking a honeysuckle, and I am as good as married. And going to the pond in the mountains, among the rocks and behind the grapevines, he too beheld the virgins jumping, flapping, splashing, and mischiefing merrily, like mad minxes, in the water. Whereat he, being all of a rage, as it were, caught up the clothes of these poor maids, and ran. She whom he most admired catching up with him, and being resolved to do the thing thoroughly, he grappled up a great club, and gave her a bang on her small head, which stunned her indeed, and that for ever, inasmuch as she was slain outright. So the moose remained unmarried. Now Teem was one of the kind not uncommon in this world, who hold that if any other man has, or gets more than they have, then they are deeply wronged. And it had come to pass that Master Martin, finding that his wife yearned greatly for the society of her sisters, offered to take yet another of them in marriage, merely to oblige his wife, for in such a kind of benevolence he was one of the best souls that ever lived, and rather than have trouble in the family, he would have wedded all the pretty girls in the country. So, going as before to the pond in the mountains among the rocks, and behind the grapevines, he by the same device captured yet another fairy, whom taking home, he wedded. Yet Team took this sadly to heart, and willed that Martin should give him this last spouse, to which Martin would in no wise agree. Truly, Team argued earnestly, that as he had no wife, and no wisdom wherewith to win one, of course he must have one of Martin's, or that Martin should go and get him one. To which Martin replied that Moose might skin his own skunks, and fish for his own minnows, and paddle his own canoe to the devil, if it so pleased him, all of these things being approved Indian sayings of high and racy antiquity. Whereupon Team sought to persuade Martin with a club, who gave a soft answer by shooting a flint-headed arrow through Team's scalp-lock, and this friendship they continued for many days, passing their evenings in manufacturing missiles, and the mornings in sending them at one another. Now the fairy water-wives, not being accustomed to this kind of intimacy, sought to subtract themselves from it. So one morning, when Martin and Team were most industriously endeavouring to effect mutual murder, the two wives of the former fled afar to seek fortune, and succeeded therein to perfection. And it came to pass, when the sun had set, and the voice of Bumol, the spirit of night, was heard afar on high, and Nibohaset, the night-walker, shone over all, that the two brides lay in an oak opening of the forest, and looked at Persesmuk, the stars, and talked about them even as children might do. And one said to the other, If those stars be men, which would you have for a husband? By my faith, replied the other, 
it should be that little red twinkling fellow, for I like the little stars best. And I, said the other, will wed the Wissawayo Pesesmuk, the great yellow star, for I love the large stars. And saying this in jest, they fell asleep. But many a word spoken in jest is recalled in earnest, as these brides learned when they awoke, and found themselves married again in the Indian manner, at only a word. For she who had wished for the great yellow shining star, as she opened her eyes, heard a man's voice say, Take care, or you will upset my war-paint. And lo, there lay by her side a great and handsome man, very noble, with large and lustrous eyes. And then the other, as she awoke and stirred, heard a little feeble cracked voice crying, Take care, or you will spill my eye-water. And by her was the smaller star whom she had chosen, but he was a weak-looking old fellow with little red twinkling eyes, and as they had chosen, so it came unto them. But yellow or red, young or old, in a few days they both grew aweary of the star country to which they were taken, and wished to return to the earth. And then that came to pass which made them yearn with tenfold longing, for their husbands, who were absent all day hunting, had pointed out to them a large flat stone which they were on no account to lift, which they obeyed in this wise, that they did not both lift the stone, but only the younger, who, as soon as the stars had gone to the greenwood, rushed to the slab, and lifting it up, gazed greedily down into the hole beneath. And what she saw was wonderful, for it was the sky itself, and directly under them was the world in which they had lived, and specially in sight was the home of their childhood, with all its woods and rivers. And then the elder having looked, both almost broke their hearts with weeping. Now the stars were by no means such evil-minded men as you may have deemed, for having perceived by magic that their wives had looked through the hole in the sky, and knowing that they were lying when they denied it, they gave them leave to go back to earth. Yet there were conditions, and those were not easy to such fidgety damsels as these, for they said, Ye shall lie together all this night, and in the morning when ye awake, ye shall be in no haste to open your eyes or to uncover your faces. Wait until you have heard the song of the Katsi Gigil Lassis, or Chickadee, and even then ye shall not arise, but be quiet until the song of the red squirrel shall be heard, and even then ye must wait and keep your faces covered and your eyes closed until ye hear the striped squirrel sing, and then ye may leave your bed and look around. But the younger wife was ever impatient, and when the chickadee sang, she would have leapt up at once, but the elder restrained her. Wait, she said, my sister, until we hear the albacacamuich, and she lay still till the adududek began his early chatter, and his morning's work. Then, without warning, she jumped up, as did the elder, when they found themselves indeed on earth, but in the summit of a tall spreading hemlock tree, and that in such manner that they could not descend without assistance. And it had come to pass in this wise, for as each song was sung by the bird and the squirrels, they had come nearer and nearer to the earth, even as the light of day drew near, but as they could not delay, they had been deserted. And as they sat there, and day dawned, men of the different Indian families went by, and unto all of these they cried for help. It is true that their star husbands had made for them in the tree a bed of moss, but they cared not to rest in the hemlock for all that. And of all the beasts of the forest or the men of the clearing, who should be the first to appear but Team or Master Moose himself? And to him they cried, Necessinan, Aqualin, Necessinan! O oh, our elder brother, let us free! 
Take us down, and we will be your two dear little wives, and go home with you. But he, looking up, scornfully said, I was married this autumn, and so he went his way. And he who came next was the shaggy bear, or mooing, to whom they made the same request, offering themselves for no higher price than to be taken down safely out of their nest. But he growled out that he had been married in the spring, and that one wife was enough for any man, so he went his way. End of section 18